2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll read verses 17 and 18. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. The Bible says, For our light affliction. Usually those two words I would not necessarily pair together. Affliction and light. Easy. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment. How many knows that when you're going through affliction, it doesn't seem like a moment. That's not exactly the words you would characterize affliction. Light, moment, or momentary. The apostle says, it works for us a far more exceeding. That's, that's three words together, emphasis upon emphasis. Far more exceeding and not momentary, but eternal weight of glory. Eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, that are invisible, those things are eternal. And everybody say amen. I am certain that what I'm bringing to you tonight is from the Lord. I feel that it's also, as I remember what I taught about last Thursday, I believe it's somewhat in connection to that and just what the Lord has been overall speaking to the Refuge Church as of lately. I've come to you from this subject, the weight of eternity. The weight of eternity. Before we pray for the hearing of the word, I would like to bring to you a special request, prayer request. Pray for Brother Christopher Walker's grandfather. Um, the doctors do not expect him to live much longer. Uh, today, he has not opened his eyes, though yesterday he was very aware, speaking to the family about his wishes and all of that, spending time with his family, but today uh, not communicating, sleeping pretty much the entire day. His name is Curtis Curtis Walker, and Curtis Walker is um, a little bit to blame for Brother Christopher Walker being here at the Refuge Church. Curtis Walker used to own a contracting business that was right next door to the Refuge Church when we were in Watchtower Plaza, and Christopher Walker was working there with his grandfather. I believe it would be in order for us to pray for Curtis Walker. I believe that the merciful hand of God could intervene. This man who has not yet been born again, I believe that the Lord can show grace and mercy in this situation and use Brother Walker and any from the refuge to be able to be a witness to him as well as to the family through this situation. Amen. Let's pray for the will and the power of God to be demonstrated as well as for this evening's Bible study. Lord, thank you so much for all that you've done. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us the privilege of being a part of this church family, not not simply the body of Christ, but this local assembly. Lord, we are so indebted unto you with a debt of gratitude for our church family. Lord, we value very highly. I pray, Lord, that as we hear the word, that our ears 
hearts and minds will be open to receiving the word of God. I pray that your spirit would lead me and guide me to speak your words and not my own. I pray, Lord, for Brother Walker's grandfather, Curtis Walker, that you would stretch forth your hand of mercy to his body and to his soul living now. While the doctors may give him two days, we believe that that could translate to two weeks or even two years as you see fit. I pray, O oh Lord, particularly for his soul, Lord, the salvation of his soul. And furthermore, we pray, Lord, that through this situation that you would receive glory and that, Lord, your purpose would unfold in this family's life. Lord, we believe that more than Brother Christopher Walker being born again, we believe that you have a plan and a purpose for his entire family. Lord, that your blood has been shed for his whole family. Your spirit is available for his whole family. We pray that you would give Brother Walker comfort and wisdom through this situation. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Because he's deserving, why don't we give Jesus glory right now by a hand clap of praise. Everybody, thank you, Lord. Let's thank the Lord. Let's praise him right now. Clap your hands. Lift your voice for just a few moments. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. I'm not sure um, what things look like for you in your life, but for me, uh, just if I was to take maybe just two degrees of separation, I'd have to tell you tonight that the list of names that I'm connected to who have passed from this life since Christmas of 2019 continues to grow longer and longer with still over two months left in the year. And in my memory, I've never known that many people to pass in a single year as I have seen this year. Not all of them related to COVID. Simply various factors are involved. My point is not to depress anyone, but rather to offer a very real reminder of the brevity and the frailness of our lives here on earth. Our time is so short. In respect to eternity, 70, 80, 90 years on this planet, in comparison, is, as Paul said, it's just a moment. There is a certain finality that is coupled together with the end of a person's life. It is finished. That's what we see Jesus saying from the cross in John chapter 19. Verse 28 says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. 
Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the bitter taste of this vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost for us. Some will say for us. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 and 28, it speaks of the death of Jesus Christ. And it says these words, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Some will say for us. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. In this text that I've just read from Hebrews 9, we are not only told of the purpose of the death of Jesus Christ, but we are reminded of the end that all your position, no matter your popularity, no matter the wealth or accumulation of riches, all will share this end except those alive at the rapture of the church. For it is appointed unto men once to die. When we have breathed our final breath, nothing more can be added to our life. And also nothing more could be subtracted from our life. I hope someone stays in. I'll tell you one solution. It's the same way physically. You gotta get active. You gotta get active. Jesus was teaching through a story, one of his favorite ways to teach. He was teaching through a story about a man who was looking for people to work in his vineyard. Going out early, early in the morning, he went into the public marketplace recruiting and hiring people and then again at the third and then the sixth and the ninth and even at the eleventh hour of the day the man who wanted his vineyards harvest to be brought in he was looking for people he could recruit in the attempt to bring in the harvest and in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 6 it says these words and about the eleventh hour this certain man went out and he found others watch us now standing idle and he says to them, why stand ye here all day idle? Each time he went, third, sixth, ninth, and eleventh hour, he found people in the public place simply standing there idle, doing nothing but loitering. Now there's a word that has always struck me funny ever since I was first introduced to it, Brother Craig, when I was a teenager. And my brothers and I like to put on our skates and go downtown into our downtown area in the Chicago suburbs and we would jump off whatever we could jump off of and try to grind curbs and all that nonsense and break our backs and ankles and knees and all of our body parts are really regretting all of those years that we did that. But I remember that during that time, there were signs that said, no loitering. I always thought that was a funny word, loitering. Loitering is simply standing around. It is being idle. It's drifting. 
is what it is. It's drifting. It's wandering. It's, it's having activity with no purpose, no aim, no direction. And let me tell you that in the kingdom of God, there is to be no loitering. There's no drifting. There's no wandering. There's no aimless walking. But we are to walk with purpose. Let me tell you, there is a certain man who has a vineyard, and he cares about his harvest being brought in. And he's coming out early in the morning, and he's coming out at the third and the sixth and the ninth hour, and even the eleventh hour, in which I believe is representative of where we are right now on God's time clock. And he's looking for people who are standing idle and say, why do you continue to be idle when there's work to be done, and he's looking to recruit, he's looking to hire, he's looking to involve you in his harvest. The Lord does not want me to be stuck in idle. He wants me to take the vehicle of my life out of idle and put it into drive because an idle vehicle is going nowhere. The Apostle Paul he warned Timothy about the danger of idleness. Now this, if I haven't gotten your attention, maybe this, this scripture reading will get your attention. The Apostle Paul warned Timothy about the danger of idleness in those who are able to do something yet do nothing. In 1 Timothy, listen carefully, you'll, you'll I'm sure, scratch your head at this, at least. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 9, Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old. Three score, a score is 20, so 60 years old. Let not a widow be taken under 60 years old, having been the wife of one man. Well reported of for good works. If she have brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has... She's washed the saints' feet. Did you catch that one? She's relieved the afflicted. If she has diligently followed every good work, the reality is he's, he's describing a woman in the church that's just looking to do something and busies herself with good works. Verse 11, but the younger widows refuse. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry. As though they're going to give themselves to the work of the Lord. Don't let them do it because they'll probably want to go back on their commitment to serve Christ and they'll marry, verse 12, having damnation. Why? Because they cast off their first faith. Listen carefully. Now, verse 13. And with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will, therefore, that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. You see, the reality is that the principle here that Paul's teaching to Timothy does not just refer to, to ladies. It refers to people who will remain idle, doing nothing, busying themselves with nothing in the kingdom. It is a very dangerous dangerous place to be get involved is what he's saying be a part of what the lord is doing in the earth there's another type of idleness before i move on that i want to address and that's found in matthew chapter 12 and verse 36 where jesus is speaking and he says i say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment please hear me right now this scripture is found immediately after Jesus is being accused of casting out devils 
by the power of devils. They said, oh, this man, oh yeah, he's, he's doing these wonderful works, but uh, let me tell you how he's doing it. He's doing it by the power of Satan. Benson commentary on the Bible says this, you may perhaps think God does not much regard your words. Notice what Jesus said. Every idle word that men shall speak, you're going to have to give an account of those words. You may perhaps think God does not much regard your words, but I assure you <laughs> that not only for blasphemous or profane or malicious, false and slanderous or reviling words, but for every, as Jesus says, every idle word which men shall speak. Meaning that for all light, vain, trifling expressions, for all useless, unprofitable conversation and all discourse uttered without seriousness and caution and which does not conduce to the glory of God and the good of mankind, he says, you will be judged for those words. Ellicott's commentary goes on to say, it is not said, however, that of every such random speech, a man shall be condemned. No, it doesn't say that, but that he shall give an account for it. He says you won't necessarily be condemned for every idle word, but you will have to give an account. You will have to say the why of those words before the Lord because it will enter into that great total which determines the divine estimate of his character and therefore the issues of the great day of judgment, the day of judgment. You will have to give an account for every idle word. I don't know about you, but this is concerning to me. The careless, the trifle. Jameson Fawcett Brown Bible commentary says, but I say unto you, and he's paraphrasing the words of Jesus. He says, I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. To which, Brother Joe and I can, they might have said, because remember that Jesus is saying this in response to the fact that they said, oh, he cast out devils by the power of devils. And they might have said something like this because they knew they were being condemned for what they had said. They might have said, it was nothing. We didn't mean any evil by it. We, we were merely throwing out a, a, a supposition as one way of accounting for the miracle we witnessed. If it will not stand, let it go. It's not, it's not a big deal. If, if it's not true, let it go. Why, why make so much of it? Why make a big deal of it? Bear down or bear down with Jesus would reply, it was not nothing. And at the great day will not be treated as nothing. Words are as an index of the heart. For he goes on to say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Words are the index of the heart. However idle they might seem, will be taken account thereof, whether good or bad, in estimating the character of one's life in the day of judgment. The way that I will be judged one day, every idle word, will be taken. Languages, talking about All Nations Sunday, men's languages discover of what country they are from. Let our words testify and identify us with our heavenly home. To that, someone ought to say amen. Does anybody appreciate a good compliment? Is anybody honest here tonight? <laughs> How about a little recognition? 
from a manager, parent, supervisor, teacher, etc. How many appreciates a good compliment? Whether for your hard work, your academic achievements, your athletic ability, or perhaps regarding a feature of your personality or your appearance. I don't know of anyone that I've ever met that does not appreciate a good compliment. Sometimes they'll come when we least expect them from sources we didn't see coming. Memory comes to mind, it was Christmas time last year and I was shopping at a store and it totally, or heaven. Paul says, I'd much rather be absent from the body so I could be present with the Lord. And it goes on, wherefore we labor, we work, that whether present or absent, we might be accepted of him. Whether, we're just going to keep on working. Because while we're here, I want to be accepted or pleasing to him. Now this is where it gets serious. In verse 10, he says, for we must all, that's everybody that I see before me right now. That's everybody that's going to listen to this message. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done. Whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord we persuade men. He says, knowing how serious it is, we put ourselves to work. We refuse to remain idle. We lay aside every weight and sin that easily besets us. Why? Because we know how serious this is. Let me tell you what this is talking about, this judgment seat of Christ. When the, when the righteous dead, when the believers will appear, you and I will appear before the Lord. From this moment, nobody will walk away lost and condemned to hell. And for that, we ought to thank God that we made that judgment instead of the white throne judgment. Yet, the Bible makes perfectly clear that some will suffer loss while others will be greatly rewarded. You see, the Bible teaches, as I bring this message to a close, the Bible teaches that believers will someday have to give an account at the judgment seat of Christ for all deeds done in the body, whether good or bad, concerning the judgment of the believer the following is certain from Scripture. Number one, all Christians will be subject to the judgment. There will be no exceptions. Number two, the judgment will occur after Christ returns for his church. And number three, the judge, can you guess who he is? It's Jesus himself. The fire that it's talking about that will try all of our works, our deeds, and our words the fire is God's perfect judgment that sees beyond the action and sees the attitude, the motive, the intention. The Bible speaks of the believer's judgment as something that is solemn, that is serious, especially since it includes the possibility of damage or loss, of being, the Bible says, ashamed before him at his coming and of the burning of one's whole life's work.
The believer's judgment, however, will not involve a declaration of condemnation by God. Nobody, again, will walk away from this moment lost. Number five, everything in this moment will be made plain and open. The word appear means to be manifest openly or publicly. Therefore, God will examine and openly reveal at that moment in true reality. They didn't tell me to leave the house. Or perhaps some of you in this room have heard similar words from someone you care about, someone you love, whether a parent, loved one, an authority in your life. I don't know how those words ring in your ears, but those are words I do not want to hear my Savior say. I know that my message may be misunderstood and it may convey to some a a harsh, divine God that is looking to wreck our lives and take all fun and spoil our lives, but that's not it at all. We serve a loving God. There's no parent on earth that's better than Jesus. There's no father on earth that loves deeper than your heavenly father. And he has given you power. And he has given you authority. And he has given you breath. And he has given you life. He has given you talent. And we need to make sure that we are using those things for the glory of the Lord. Whether it's enjoyment with our children, with our families, out of my mouth, let every deed, Lord, that I do with my life, let me be aware that it will be judged one day before you, my Savior. What am I doing with where I am, with what I have? Lord, help me to be aware of the weight of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Amen. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. I pray that we'll see you Sunday. Amen. Why don't you do your best and invite someone to join with you this Sunday. Amen. And let's have a great All Nations Sunday this weekend. God bless you. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.